You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word and get fired up about what God's doing today. Title of my message this morning is The Radiant Ones, Part 3. It's the third part in a series that I've been teaching on about what it means to be lit on fire and how to stay on fire. It's this understanding that you're not moved by life circumstances and shame and fear and isolation, but you're always to the light and God's breaking out the darkness and you're just being authentic. Everybody say authentic. authentic. What I want you to do is be authentic and not pretend anymore. And the only way that you can be authentic is when you really know. And what I understand is most people don't know. Most of what the church has represented is a religious paradigm of who Jesus is. So of course the world has walked away from it. Because they automatically expect when they come into church, they're going to get beat over the head or they need to be good. Or they're going to hear hell or whatever it is. So people... Stay away from the Lord in hiding instead of running to him because they don't understand that God wants shame broken out of your life and you don't have to be afraid because when you were in your darkest moment, he died on the cross. So we're talking about how to be lit on fire and stay on fire. And it's like I said, of course we have to understand sin and I'm hoping to talk about that next week and how the Lord sees sin. And what our responsibilities are when it comes to sin and what sin does. Because sin is one thing that will surely quench the fire out in our life. Or let me say this, sin when you don't know how to deal with it will quench the fire. But sin when you understand how much the Lord loves you. And that you have a blood speaking a better word and a cross. And that it's finished and all you got to do is run back to him. And it doesn't give you a license to sin. But sometimes we take the liberty to sin. But God says, I've given you a new liberty by the Holy Spirit. And that means you can look to him in the midst of everything that you're doing and have gone through if you really mean it and you really want it. Because God wants authenticity. All he wants you to do is just be real. There's no fake it till you make it. Don't fake it till you make it. Please do not fake it till you make it. When you come in here, come authentic. Come genuine. Come hungry. Come desperate. That's how we have worship like we had today. I didn't design that. I didn't tell everybody, now you have to come up to the front. But it was always a desire of my heart. I don't have rules and policies on the wall. But it's a culture thing of how we do things here at this church. And you learn by experiencing and doing and being a part. Okay? So I want to just recap a couple things when it comes to being radiant. And a few things I've already said. And then I'm going to conclude with a new point for you today. First of all, to be radiant means to send out light. It means to shine and to glow brightly. I love my mom. My whole life has always said these words to me. You are created to shine. She'd always say to me, you're supposed to shine. Shine. You have such a shine. And as a hairdresser, she'd even give me oil for my hair to make sure it shined a little bit. (laughs) And she'd say, you need some oil in your hair. 
God wants you to shine and he wants you to glow. <clears throat> to be radiant means that you can clearly express and emanate great joy, love, and health. To be radiant is an emotion or quality that emanates powerfully from someone or something, and it's very intense. We radiate. That's why when Jesus said we can heal people's lives, it's him coming into us. We're nothing but PVC pipes or funnels that he comes in and, and his light and his love comes out. Because when I'm staring at this light, if I look at it long enough, I can't even look right into it. If I look at it long enough and then I look down, I'll see a, a white spot. I won't even be able to see you. The premises is what you behold is what you become. And understanding what it means to be radiant comes from Psalm 34, 5. I base this series on this scripture. That when we look to him, we're radiant. And what happens? Our faces are not ashamed. God wants you to shine. God wants you to be radiant. Let's pull that scripture up, please. Psalm 34, 5. Synonyms of being radiant are shining, being illuminated, brilliant, gleaming, glowing, ablaze, and luminous, dazzling. Oh, you look dazzling. <laughs> to dazzle is to shine bright and brilliant for the beauty of the Lord. The key is, is that if I look to him, suddenly I shine and any shame on my face or my countenance is removed. So when you sin or you fall short or you're having struggles and challenges in your life, if you dwell on it, suddenly what happens? You're, you get downcast. And you find yourself in this pity victim mentality where you're feeling like God doesn't care and your situation's so bad it can't be fixed. And I don't ever believe that. I don't ever believe that your situation can't be fixed no matter what you're going through. I have to fight with you and I have to maintain a position of truth and love and faith and said, you know what, I know it may seem like your spouse is never going to change. But it doesn't mean you can't change. And we have to learn to find strength and happiness even when we're not getting the things that we want from our spouse. Because your source of strength isn't in each other. Your source of strength is in him. And then you become a source of strength for someone else. Keep that scripture up for a moment. Now, how does this scripture tie into the New Testament? How many, we've all sang the song, unless you've just started coming back to church, probably heard the scripture where the spirit of the Lord is there at liberty. Yeah. Now, we think that means there's liberty to play my tambourines, my drums, be silly, be goofy, and be a distraction, and be wild and weird and crazy and do things that aren't in unity with what God wants to do. That's not what it means. If you read the context of the scripture, what it means is that you have liberty, unlike Moses, where Moses had to have a veil around his face when he came before the people. That Moses was imperfect, but now through the spirit of the Lord, you can look with an unveiled face. Everybody say unveiled face. Now let me tell you how that doesn't work. It doesn't work for you, but not you. Oh wait, you got a lot of issues. Not you. You are doing really good, you. Because that's the subtle lie that we'll embrace in the sanctuary right now. We all 
Oh, why? Because there's a finished work of the cross. You don't, you don't re-crucify Christ. What you do is you be authentic and you say, man, this sin pattern is killing me, literally. Wow, I really want to hide right now because I'm failed miserably. Can't keep looking at that light or I'm going to get blinded, but... Shame and darkness, brokenness, because I'm desperate and I don't want it, so he removes it out of my life. And what happens when you have liberty to look to the Lord, it means that you behold him with an unveiled face and then you become transformed into his image. What you behold is what you become. So I can tell you your, your issue you're looking at all the wrong things. <laughs> your problems, your, your struggles, your challenges, what you don't have. You're, you're right. You have a right to have pleasure. No, you don't. You have a right to make it about you. No, you don't. You have a right to sin. No, you don't. And if you get back to the Garden of Eden, pleasure, delight, which that's what we're naming our daughter, Eden, our children's names are all designed to the promises of God. The rhythm and the drumbeat, uh, the heartbeat of the Lord, cadence, the mountain of the Lord, and we're all longing for Mount Zion. Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for your light has come. The mountain of the Lord becomes radiant in all the Gentiles. But right before that, it said that God would hide his face. But then he says, I'm going to send a redeemer because my arm is not too short to save. So you got to understand Isaiah 59 and 60 next week. By the way, I keep wanting to jump into next week. So fired up. Read your Bible. This isn't made up. I'm not perfect and sinless. I'm a man desperate and broken and needy. This poor man. Everybody say, this poor man. This poor man. Cried out. So I cry out, God. I don't want this in my life anymore. Help me. He says, look to me and I'll break that shame and fear out of your life. And I'll fascinate your heart even more. Because one of the things that fascinates me the most about the Lord. My favorite thing about God. Is he never, ever gives up on me. When you fail. If you fail me or somebody else, he doesn't. Let God, let man, let's, let God be true and every man a liar is the extreme. We don't want every man to be a liar. The premise is, is that no one is as faithful as the Lord. Jesus is the most faithful person I know. Amen. Are you guys getting fired up in here today? I mean, this should be from the here to the back. God wants us to behold him, and then we become transformed. So how do you change? Behold him. Not religion. Not your five steps. Not your more spiritual discipline. You behold the Lord. And you get to the place where you're desperate. And you say, I'm not going to pretend it anymore. I'm just coming. And Lord, if you're who you say you are, I've been going to church all these years. I'm ready to know like I've never known before. Because you have to know for yourself. 
and you know by personal experience. And when you look to the Lord, it transforms your countenance. Because you hear something. We have responsibilities. Psalm 34, 4 through 7 was a pattern I talked about last week. Here's the pattern. Seek, look, this poor man cried out, and fear God. And he breaks fear, shame, isolation, and he delivers you from all your trouble. Deliverance has become such a bad word in so many Christian circles, but it shouldn't be because the simple understanding of deliverance is he breaks bondage out of your life. Fear Fear is the number one bondage because fear is torment, but what casts out fear? Whack you over the head with the Bible? Look at you. You should know better and beat you up or look at you with perfect love and say, I love you. I know it's been tough, but you're going to make it. And you know what? I'm going to fight with you. I I understand by the spirit it's really hard, but you know what? I won't give up. And I look him right in the eyes with authenticity because the eyes are the window of the soul. And I make a decision to say, and he can look and say, I see you're real, bro. So that I can rebuke you if I have to, but you know I care about you. Because the Bible says, better a rebuke from a friend than a kiss from an enemy. And we want kisses from enemies. Because it feels so good, even if, even if I know it's going to lead me a wrong way. And then we come along and say, that is dysfunctional. That's not what the Lord has for you. And I look at you with love and say, there's a better way. And I love you. Now, come on. Let's get arm in arm. And let's walk this out together. Together. God wants you authentic. When you understand the heart of the Father. And that he really wants more than anything your heart more than your actions. Actions are important, but it's a heart issue. Because I don't care how anointed you are. I don't care how many, what a great intercessor you are. I don't care about your gift. You can lay hands on the sick and they're healed. yip de doo I love all those things. Don't get me wrong. But what matters the most is that your heart is healthy in your identity and who you are and that you're rooted in love. And that's why all the manifestations of 1 Corinthians 12 are right before 13 and then comes 14. When you understand those three chapters and you understand that the Corinthian church was all about manifestations but were carnal, they were animal-like, that all they wanted to do is pursue, he had to hammer this love thing. Hammer it. Because love transforms. You say, oh, love, 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 love. Love has to come. Love is backed up by power. To what? Deliver. Heal. Transform. I don't get moved if God didn't take away a pain in your body, but I still believe and still pray. But I understand that God can heal your heart and transform you. And that's why Paul said, though the outward man perishes day by day, I'm renewed on the inside. Though the outward man perishes day by day, I'm renewed on the inside. Being radiant isn't a personality characteristic. 
That's why when Paul said, rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, rejoice means to be calmly cheerful, calmly happy. You can be a high, high introvert and radiate. You can be God's heating element despite your personality. And when you become God's heating element, I know it's been such a Christian cliche, but I love it. Here's what it means. You're not God's thermometer, you're his thermostat. So now you set the temperature of the room. So when hundreds of people come in here, I don't have to be moved by how I feel or whether the service is iced out. An iced out service is when I fall flat on my face and I can't talk and there's no wind of the spirit because I realize the wind of the spirit and what's affecting me isn't attributed by you. It's, it's, it's knowing what I know and knowing what I know lights me on fire. And when you know that you know, you can't be moved. So you can be radiant and still be calm. Relax, all of you introverts. You do not have to look like me. But radiating means that I'm giving off a countenance or a demeanor. Countenance or a demeanor. It means that I'm shining bright from the inside and then it manifests in my demeanor and my face. And then what happens is, is what's radiating in me brings radiation therapy to you. That's why most people, not all, when they say they got touched by God and healed, said they felt a heat or a warmth or a fire come into their body. Hence, the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a 10-year-ago thing. It's a today, every day, be filled repetitively, re- repeatedly. I love this scripture. I've alluded to it, but I'm going to break it down today. Psalm 89, 15. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound, for they walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. Now, I love breaking down scripture, so let's break this one down a little bit. First of all, the key is to know something. Now, the word know in the Hebrew is the word yada, and it has a pattern to it. So let's read the pattern together, okay? Are you ready? Everybody say these words with me. Say, to recognize, recognize. admit, Admit. acknowledge, Acknowledge. confess, Confess. be instructed, instructed. be acquainted with, become skillful, and become wise. See the pattern? So to know means... That I can't make it up. It means I really know it and have become it. And I've been made to something. It's a learning process. It means to learn to know. And my favorite definition for knowing is to know by experience. If you've never skydived, you don't really know the thrill of skydiving. If you've never jumped off a cliff into a crystal clear freshwater spring, you don't know the joy and the thrill. If you've never wakeboarded, if you've never been to the south coast of Italy, 
I don't care where it is. If you've never snorkeled the Great Barrier Reef, if you've never tasted the freshest snapper right out of the water while it's vibrating on the grill because you just filleted it and it's melting in your mouth, you have no idea how good it is. <laughs> you want me to give you more analogies? Getting hungry now. Hurry up, Pastor. You don't know until you taste it. You don't know until you see it. You can't just go to church your whole life and observe. And we have too many churches observing and teaching you how to be a good observer. We call our church the first church of the observatory fellowship. <laughs> you don't know until you have the experience for yourself. That's why it says, blessed are the people who know what? The joyful sound. Everybody say joyful sound. Now, of course, I love looking up words because they're treasures to me. And if it's a sound, I really want to know what joyful sound is. The word sound for this word is different than other words for sound in the Hebrew. The, the, the meaning of this word is the battle cry, the alarm and the signal and the shout of war. But it's the shout of victory. Oh, I can't, I can't do a trumpet sound because of my voice. But it's the trumpet blast. I tried. Toot, toot. And it's a shout of ah! But it's victory shout. It's crescendo shout. And a shout of understanding that I have joy. It's a joyful sound. And because I hear it, I hear it in worship when we crescendo together. And that's why at the right time I get my shofar. And I go toot toot. But I don't blow it every 30 minutes or 30 seconds. And there's reasons why we don't have flags and allow tambourines because any manifestations that are a distraction without being done the right way and the healthy way detracts from what God wants to do. But I love shofars and flags and tambourines. But no, it's not a free-for-all. It's an organized move in the presence of God. So for those that like to do flags, we have certain times of worship blowouts or we just had the women's night. But no, this isn't, a, this isn't charismatic free-for-all. This is a church rooted and built on vision and leadership by the Holy Spirit and the Lordship of Christ, not manifestations. So then the manifestation comes and we all go, whoa, because in his presence there's fullness of joy. And I'm really got a lot of joy right now. I can't tell you what it's going to be like in an hour from now, but right now I'm fired up. No, I'll be joyful in an hour from now because I'll be taking a nap. So you know by experience. Say, to know by experience. Oh, man, do I make religious, logical people mad with that. I posted on Facebook that the kingdom of God, that, that Christianity is experience-based. Not logical, human reasoning, and intellect-based. And oh, man, all the apologetics said, oh, well, no, because they're, they're afraid of experiences. 
But being born again, experience. Baptized in water today, experience. The presence of God and high worship, hair standing on end, experience. Am I, am I moved by that? In the moment I am, but I don't live by it. I live by trust in the God's word and his movement and breath in my life, whether I've got goosebumps or not. But I sure like those goosebumps. So we know the joyful sound. You know it because you've heard it for yourself. And then what happens? You walk. Everybody say, I walk. I walk is a picture of how you live your life. And you walk in the light of his countenance. And the first word for light means the, like the crack and the break of the morning dawn. Yeah. How many of you like to watch that? How many of you have ever sat by the water? Thank God we live where we live. I love this. I love sitting by the bay on a sunrise. I don't get to do it much anymore. But when I do, I love the expectation of the morning. When I'm seeing the sun rays coming up from the horizon, lighting the sky, but the sun hasn't come up yet. And I'm watching and I'm waiting for that first crack of light. That's the light we walk in. The light of the morning dawn. That's what we're like. We're like a crack of light breaking forth in the horizon. It also means the light of a lamp, the light of life, the light of prosperity, the light of instruction, and the light of face. So the first meaning for countenance is face. And what it means is, is Betty and I are looking at each other face to face. It means that I'm beholding her face to face. And now I'm walking in the light of her countenance. So when I'm looking to the Lord and walking in the joyful sound and the light of his countenance shines upon me. Shines upon me. You guys can look up Psalm 42, 11. David said, even when I didn't deserve it, even in my darkest hour, his countenance came upon me. You guys read Psalm 42, 11 on your own. So it's your countenance, your demeanor. It's the posture and the position of your heart with the Lord. Romans 1, 11 and 12, I talked about this last week. And why am I going over it again? Because repetition is the mother of all learning. And many of you weren't here last week. But I want to solidify this point. Paul wants to see the Roman church. It's chapter 1. He writes off the bat. He says, I want to impart something to you. I long to visit to impart. I love the word impart because in the Strong's Concordance, Greek, it's number 3330. I'll always remember it. It means I deposit something in me into you. So God does it in me, then he does it through me. I, I helped you with that. I want to keep solidifying that. So you have to have an in you experience so that God can do it through you. You have to have an in you experience so that God can do it through you. So then he, he says, I want to impart a spiritual gift so that you'd be established. And then he goes on to say, so that we would be encouraged together and mutual, together, mutual is us. And what established means is you get rooted. Why are there so many people here now? Because we're getting rooted. Next week we're having our take root. We call our new membership class take root because we're a garden. And we're getting established and planted. But we're doing it through an impartation, through worship, 
through the word, and then in a minute through the altar call, through ministry time, praying together, touching each other. Paul said, I want to impart something in me into you. And then we mutually benefit. It's mutually beneficial. That's why we need each other. Do you get it? You cannot isolate yourself. If you don't like me or this church or our style, I'm okay with that. Find somewhere to do this scripture. Please. It's biblical. I know not everybody's going to like me. I had to get over that a long time ago. I don't think I'm that good. But thank God my success isn't based on whether I was a great preacher or not or how good I was. He is in me. He makes me great. You understand, it's not measuring up based on the world standard. It's that God has done something in me. Come here. Who's sick? Come here. Who needs a word? Come here. Who doesn't know what I know? Come here. I got an answer for you. Because I have an answer for everyone. So do you. I have one answer that applies to everyone. Is that haughty? No, his name's Jesus. Yeah! I'll just get all my shouting out so I don't have to talk later. So you need experiences because they establish you. They place you firmly. They fix you. Everybody say, fix me, Lord. They make you a fixture. Don't go through the religious motions. Please stop pretending. Just be real. Say, I'm coming. Lord, I've been battling shame. Lord, darkness. Lord, the president. Lord, I Lord. And it's not once a week, Sunday to Sunday. That's why he's called the morning star. And guess how often his mercy is available to you every day, all the time, and they're even brand new in the morning. Fascinates me. So I wake up in the morning, I go, thank God. Thank God it's the new day. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So guess what? Every day... There's new mercy, and the Bible says that you can be a throne traveler and go to the Lord for mercy and grace whenever you want, because he's our high priest, always living to make intercession. So come with an unveiled face. Stop living in shame. Come out, come out, wherever you are, and stop hiding. Come to the cross. Say, I'm, I'm, man, I'm jacked up, but I want it, Lord. I want it. And he says, okay, I'll fight with you. And years and years and years of shortcomings, God says, I'm never going to give up on you. Oh, so what? <coughs> Didn't want to spit. <coughs> Maybe I should have spit on you one last time. <laughs> you say, the Lord in his goodness has never, ever failed me. So I forget what lays behind. I don't even know you who you were yesterday. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't make sense in our natural mind. You let me down. You used to come and then I didn't talk to you for a year. So, welcome back. Oh, I spent all this time with you, meeting with you, and all you did was just leave me. So, welcome back. 
Because it was never about me anyway. So I'm just glad you're here. Now let's get past our hang-ups and let's get fired up. Oh, we didn't do it right? That's okay. I love you the same. Come on. I'm not living in yesterday. I can't live in yesterday. Now I'm not just going to promote you. We're going to make sure that you're healthy. So you can get promoted because promotion comes from the Lord. I'm going to leave you with this last scripture and then we're going to close and we're going to pray. I'll just say this. You need experiences. You need to be filled over and over and over again. I got filled up in worship today. I may have drugged myself in, but now I'm fired up. I'm not kidding you. My world is a trench fighting world. Worship lit me up, and so I pursued. Where's the light? This is a lifestyle. I'm not pretending. I'm not perfect. I don't live 24-7 in the heavenlies. I mean, I do because I'm seated with Christ. But the point is, is I'm here on earth to bring heaven to earth and to fight in the trenches. And I learned the faithfulness of the Lord by overcoming. I learned his kindness by failing. Sorry, bro. (laughs) Fix your beard a little bit. Oh, I, I get it. You were taught all the wrong things and legalist people, I'm surprised nobody stood up and shout, tried to shout me down yet. But maybe the power of the Holy Spirit so gripped in here that they can't. Pull up Psalm 34, 8. I'm going to break this down for you and then we're going to pray. To be on fire is to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. When you taste, you see. Tasting something's an experience. The first meaning of taste is mean you ate something. When I ate it, I understood. When I tasted, I saw. When I had the experience of tasting something, why is this church growing? Why are you all here? Because we're tasting something more and people are going, man, finally. And I'm not saying we're the only ones and please, it's not a high and mighty thing. But people are coming because we're desperate for more and we don't want institutionalized corporate church anymore. I make staff write their own job descriptions. Do you know that? Anybody that wants to get hired here has to write their job description and tell me their vision of what they're going to do. And then I observe them. I don't hire, just hire. I'll wait a long time and watch in relationship. I'm very slow to position people because I want to get to know you so that we're family, so that when I hire somebody, there's never a firing. You never got fired. You got positioned to something else that you are more passionate excited about until you could do it. Because you don't hire and fire in family. I can't fire a family member. Though I might want to many times. <laughs> Some of you are like, amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> so taste and see. Everybody say, taste and see. Taste and see. It means that your eyes will be open and you'll have vision to gaze and behold and to look at face to face. 
And when you taste and see, then you trust. Faith, I'm sorry, trust is based on fact. I can trust the Lord because he's never failed me. Now, faith is I have confidence in the existence of the Lord, but a lot of times, like if you need healing, it's not happening right yet until I pray and I've got to have faith for that. But I can trust the Lord because he's been faithful and he's done it for me over and over again. You can trust God because he's never failed you. And when you taste and see and your eyes get open, suddenly you have an experience to know and then you're blessed. You know what it means to be blessed? You know what it means to be blessed? Listen, me tell you what it means to be blessed. To be blessed means to be happy. And do you know what it means to be happy? It means to have a posture and a position of satisfaction in the circumstance that you're in and then to clearly, through your actions, represent and reflect that you're happy. In fact, I love being happy. But my happiness isn't based on standard of living. It's based on quality of life. Oh, is it hard? Yes. Oh, man. Do I have to fight the good fight of faith? You bet. But I don't get moved if I didn't get the paycheck or that person failed me or let me down. Because I have a posture and a position of joy and happiness so much inside of my heart that it just makes me want to dance. Come on, let's all stand up. Come on, do your happy dance. Now, you guys know I just had to do that. Just had to. Go ahead and stay standing. You have been listening to a message from David Vendette, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up.